Welcome to A Canadian Investing in the U.S., a podcast and YouTube channel focused on Canadians buying real estate with host Glenn Sutherland. Cool. Welcome to another episode of A Canadian Investing in the U.S. This week, my guest is Ryan Spencer. Ryan, tell us about yourself. Um, All right. Well, I've been investing for um, the past uh, 10 years. I started investing sort of as just a... uh, uh, a necessity more than anything else. Um, I had a brand new family and I needed a house and I couldn't afford a house on my own, um, with my wife on, uh, on mat leave. So we decided to, uh, rent the basement. Uh, so I ended up building a legal basement apartment, which took about six months and give or take 600 hours and, uh, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> and a lot of work and, uh, you know, a couple visits from the, um, building inspector and a little bit of back and forth because I really didn't know what I was doing other than what I'd watched on YouTube and uh, read in Home Depot books and whatever information I could find. All I knew is I needed to pay for the house some way. So I essentially did a house hack before I knew what a house hack was. (laughs) And then I just sort of, you know, snowballed from there, moved to the next house. And now I find myself investing in the U.S. after watching one of your presentations at the local uh, uh, real estate meeting. That was the probably the K, 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 KWCREI meeting. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. I've presented there twice now. So <laughs> I, I have to say, I'm somewhat honored to be invited to, to be on your podcast since you're the kind of the whole reason I'm here. No, that's great. No, that, that's the whole point of this whole thing, right? <laughs> Wasn't it like the whole point was to like, you know, just share the experience, right? Like it was, especially off the start in the early podcasts that are a little rougher, but, uh, yeah. but that's all it was, was to, to share the experience. So yeah. Well, I remember after your first uh, presentation, I was like so excited. I was just like out, out in the parking lot. I'm like, this is madness. Like, <laughs> I can't believe these deals are so good. And and what you can buy, I'm like, I can buy a house on a credit card, which yeah. not exact, but more or less we, we discussed that, that yeah. there's those sort of possibilities if you're, if you're clever enough, but yeah. the amount of um, <laughs> opportunity on the other side of the border is just, it's crazy. Yeah. So Okay, where do you want to go with this? You want to go into your story more? What, what do you, I don't know what you, you yeah, said. Yeah, so, <laughs> so um, I guess you're probably wondering about uh, the, the Muncie um, deal and uh, basically my first set of investments. So yeah, um, just to start off with how I found the properties, since that's always probably the, the number one question people ask for is sort of how you start is um, I honestly just signed up for um, some groups on Facebook. So after researching different states and, and looking at different opportunities, I kind of settled on Indiana. Um, yep. I liked the price points. I liked the uh, legal structure in the states in terms of like landlord friendliness. Um, yep. It all, all looked good. Uh, rent rates were high um, relative, again, to the, the price that you would pay. Everything looked really good. So I wasn't actually looking at where I ended up buying. I was looking in uh, Indianapolis and the Facebook groups are obviously Indianapolis and Indianapolis adjacent. Uh, So I ended up just in one of these uh, Facebook groups. Uh, Somebody posted a a deal, a a wholesaler posted a deal, two houses for the price of one, $10,000 in Muncie, Indiana. I'm like, that hmm. sounds pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to click that link and see what, where that leads. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I opened it up and it was not as bad as you would think for 10 grand. Like it was, the house was trashed. It was full of garbage and 
tipped over furniture. But looking past that, the paint wasn't hanging off the ceiling, so I knew there wasn't water damage. The outside had um, mostly metal roof on, on one yeah. full house had a metal roof and the other one had half a metal roof. So I'm like, well, the one with the metal roof, roof was a little rusty, but I'm like, odds of there being water damage from our leaky roof, pretty slim, right? And that's kind of like the one thing, mold, water damage, those are like your major costs with any renovation besides like asbestos or something crazy like that. Right? <laughs> um, yeah. So looking at that, uh, looking in the houses, I just did kind of like a quick high level estimate. I, I threw down, um, I still have my notes here uh, from that day. I wrote down three grand for floors, 10K for kitchens, five grand for the bathrooms, seven grand for the exterior, 5K for fur furnaces. Cause I could see that I wasn't sure if the furnaces would actually work. They were like not looking good. Yeah. And uh, it, it, based off the pictures inside, it looked like maybe someone had had like a fire in the house to like keep themselves warm. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so there's smoke damage everywhere, but it wasn't like the house was on fire. So that was a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I threw down 10 grand for miscellaneous. Yeah. So I had about 40 grand. It's just like a really like bare bones, like I would call it a best case scenario um, estimate. And then for a high level, I sort of looked at it and said, you know, worst case, best case 40, worst case 60, right? Let's throw another 20 grand on surprises. Yeah. And so based off that, I kind of said, well, if I can buy the both the houses and fix them up and I'm into them for, you know, let's say it's 60 plus the purchase price, 35 a piece, right? Yep. 35 times two, 70 grand. Yep. yep. Like, but then I can rent it for 650, 700. Those are still some pretty good odds, right? It's hard to it's hard to lose. Like I don't, and then even if I have made some horrible mistake, the worst case is I lose ten grand. And I mean, I've lost ten grand on cars and horrible yeah. other purchases <laughs> I've done in my life. So I'm like, this is a a pretty good bet. So yeah. I uh, I contacted the wholesaler. I said, hey, look, I'm interested in these houses. Uh, can you do any better on the price? How about um, 8,000 bucks. And uh, we went back and forth and we ended up settling on a price of 9,000 all in, but I play, I pay the legal. But other than that, like any, I, I don't want to know what else's other issues are behind the scenes. Nine grand, I get both houses. I'll pay the, the closing costs. All right. Great deal. Yeah. And, um, you know, they sent me over the contract and I looked at the contract and it said that I had to uh, agree to their contract. Right. And I said, well, how can I agree to a contract that I haven't seen? Like, yeah. that's just crazy. Right. You got to right. send me this contract that you have. Right. So I got them to send me the contract and they were actually buying the house for that, the two houses for a total of 2,500 bucks. So they had, they had a $7,500, um, markup on it for their original 10 grand ask. So, but it was, still it's kind of typical. Usually you're yeah. paying about at least five grand, usually about five grand per house. Yeah. So, so yeah. And it's, yeah. But it, it actually comes important later. So anyway, okay, all right, all right. <laughs> we get we go go through the, the rigmarole and we get to closing. And I got a message from them and they're like, oh, um, there's a bunch of liens on the house. Uh, oh, no. that we didn't expect. Uh, can you come up in your price at all? Because we're like really not making any money on this. So, all right, as a matter of good faith, I'll give you an extra 200 bucks. So, so it's 9,200 bucks. They're like, all right, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Another day goes by. Uh, and they email back again. They're like, uh, there's even more leases on the property now. And, um, we're just going to back out cause we're going to lose money on this deal. 
but we'll give you the contact information of the owner and maybe you can strike up a deal privately with him. All right, so that's not too bad. So I got to hand it to the, to the, the, um, that the was whole, very honorable. Yeah. For being like really honorable, right? Yeah. I mean, I think a lot might just keep trying to push for more money or just like say, what just disappear, just disappear in another, right? Especially yep. small, yep. small guys. So, so these guys are solid. Um, I got to give them that. And, uh, so I contacted the, the, uh, the owner and I said, look, I understand there's some issues. My deal, my first, my first message, it was kind of dumb. Cause I, I knew this guy was paying only getting paid 2,500 bucks. And I said, my first message to him was I'll do the same deal with you guys that, that, uh, with you that I had with them, which was 9,000 bucks for both. Um, and, but, and, and I only pay legal and I went back to the title company and they said, they gave me some more information about the liens. And it turned out there's about $7,000 in liens on the property, 6,000 for, um, basically being dilapidated and not being up to the, to the standards. Yep. And, uh, like the garage, there was a, a separate garage that was collapsing and a whole bunch of other things like lawn maintenance, all sorts of things. Right. Yeah. And, uh, I said, well, you know, I'll give you, I'll give you the, the nine grand. And he says, well, uh, I don't really want to deal with the liens and I don't want to deal with any of that. So, um, and, and he said, you can probably get the liens removed by the city. And I said, well, how am I supposed to know that that's going to happen? Right. That's a, a big leap of faith, right? Yeah, no, there's no, no, there's no way. There's right. No, yeah. No. So I said, all right, if you want me to take care of the liens? I'll give you 2,500 bucks. He goes, Oh, I just like, it's just so hard for me. And after some back and forth, he said, I've got a third property. If I throw that into the deal, what will you give me? <laughs> and at this point I've already had, um, you know, contractors through these other two houses to like check out and give me some more estimates to make sure I wasn't totally insane by through going through with this and stuff like that. And it was looking pretty good. I had estimates on the first two ranging from 50,000 to about 80,000 in repairs. So I was pretty close with my, my, yeah. my estimate and I figured I could knock them down a bit. Right. Okay. So so I was proceeding, but I didn't have time. I'm like, I'm, I, I'm at this point, I'm two months in to trying to negotiate this deal just to get these houses closed and it's driving me insane. And I'm like, I, I can't ask contractors to go over to this house. I just want to get this deal done. I said, look, I looked at the house. Um, I'm really not interested. Can we just do the twos? I, uh, no, I really need to get rid of this other one. I'm getting totally out of Muncie. He was based out of Atlanta okay. and he had bigger projects to worry about. What what do you give me? I said, all right, I'll give you eight grand for for all all three. Because I looked at it on on um, I, I looked at it and it looked okay, but it, yeah. I, but I didn't know anything about it. I hadn't had anybody through. I didn't have any interior pictures. Didn't know anything about it, right? Yeah, no title, for all, nothing. No, nothing. I don't know anything about it. So I'm like, all right, I'll give you eight grand, free and clear. I'll pay everything else after that fact. Now. In the meantime, and all this back and forth, it, even though it was driving me crazy that it took two months, it actually came in handy because the entire time I was negotiating with this guy, I was also on the phone with the city trying to get the liens removed. And by the time I got to offering him eight grand, I had already gotten the liens removed. I'd gotten a signed piece of paper by sending in the estimates from my contractor to the city and giving them my plan and saying, look, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to start working one month from an acquisition, but I can't close on this property with a $6,000 lien over my head. Um, 
what can you do? And so they were nice enough to uh, write a release and send it to me. So he didn't know this. So it was still my leverage yeah. that, hey, this lien, I might have to pay it, right? Yep. So closed at $8,000 um, on all three. That was the deal we settled on. And uh, then I start, got to work trying to find a, a, a property manager. I had already had a couple I was sort of interviewing and, and deciding, and I was sort of down to two. And uh, one was taking a really long time to get back to me. Uh, I, I phoned them about the property, given them the, the three addresses. And they're like, all right, we'll swing by and we'll give you a call tomorrow and, and let you know. And a week had gone by, I'm like, they've looked at these houses and they think I'm insane and they're never going to call me. <laughs> so, so that's this, fine. This is, just, this is pre reno, right? This is pre reno. Like the, they're the, 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 the hoarder <laughs> stuff. Still is rough, still yeah. houses, like it's <laughs> yeah. still really rough. I'm like, these guys are probably higher end. They don't want to deal with it. Right. Yeah. So I end up signing off uh, a contract with the other property manager that I was uh, uh, interviewing. Yep. And then the next day, the one that was taking a long time to get back to me, got back to me and they said, okay, so we've been by your houses and there's a couple things you should know. First, your house, your, 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 the, the two houses that I liked yeah. um, are pretty rough condition. Um, we'll send you a uh, estimate for repairs and um, we'll, we will manage those for you. The other house, the one that I had tried to avoid picking up originally, yeah, you have a squatter in. And the house is so rough that we just don't want to manage it. <laughs> and I'm like, great. oh, great. So this is this is getting really bad. And I said, okay, thank you for the info. And they sent me pictures. And the inside of the house is destroyed, in a word. Like, nothing I would ever rent to anybody, right? So I said, okay, thank you for the information. Really appreciate it. Um, and then I call up the property manager. I now had a, under contract and I said, Hey, I just got notified by one of my contractors that, uh, there's a squatter in the house and I need you to go over there and deal with it. Okay. No problem. We deal with it all the time. Um, we'll go have a look. She calls me back later that afternoon. Okay. I went by your house, not a squatter. She's just a hoarder and, um, She's got like all the utilities in her name and everything. And she's been living there for years and years and years and years, years, a long time, but oh. she's not a squatter. Okay. <laughs> so now it's in my mind worse than a squatter. Cause at least a squatter you could kick out relatively out. easy yeah. in the yeah. time of COVID. Um, it's a little bit harder to um, kick out a long-term tenant that's theoretically going to pay you. Yes. Right. Uh, the other problem is, is how do I fix a house with someone who's, how do I, how do I invest in a house that someone is going to destroy because of their personal issues, right? Any money I put into that house, if, if it's a hoarder, going to be wiped off the map in no time. Right. Yeah. So I really, I really don't want to invest in it. So I said to my party manager, um, will she just buy it for me? Like, can I sell it to her? Um, she says, they don't have any money. <laughs> they don't have any money. What are you thinking? And uh, I'm like, like, I'm like, I didn't pay very much for the house. Are you sure? Like, it's, no, it's not, it's not going to happen. But uh, so I'm in, I'm in a moderate panic because I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to have 
fines from the city that are never going to end. I'm going to have this squatter calling me for repairs and then, you know, wrecking it or sorry, not squatter, but uh, yeah. Yeah. I knew you meant. Yeah. Anyways, uh, what, and, and then I realized that I had really made the right decision in um, which PM I had hired because while the other one had just sort of walked away from the situation and said, I'm not going to deal with it. Right. This one easy stuff. Yeah. came up with the perfect solution, which was, why don't you just do rent to own? Then the maintenance isn't your issue. Ah, now that's a brilliant idea. That solves all the problems like that. So that's what we did. I, uh, I called her up. Uh, I pitched the tenant the idea. I said, well, actually, she called me. <laughs> she called me the day this, within about an hour after that uh, my property manager had been over there. I don't know how she got my number, but she got my number. So she called she, you in Canada. <laughs> she called me in Canada to start complaining about all the things that were broken in her house, right? Yeah. Which, um, you yeah. know, I think yeah. it was about the stove or something she wanted. And I said, hey, look, I, I, I said, okay, I, I just want to let you know. You know, I didn't even know there was a tenant you, like you were living there. I got this house as a package and I'm, I'm really sorry. I don't know anything about your situation, but what I'll, what I'd like to do is, uh, you know, I said, I got this house as part of a package. I wasn't, I didn't really want it, but you seem to like your house. Do you like, do you like where you live? And she goes, yes, I, I, you know, I like where I live. I said, okay, how about this? You keep paying me the same amount of rent that you were paying before. So uh, for it was $350 a month, yeah. which is pretty low, but, Oh yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> all things considered. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's pretty good. Yep. I said, pay me the 350 a month for five years and I'll just give you the house. I'll just quick, I'll, I'll, I'll quick claim it over to you. Yep. And uh, she actually almost started to cry. She was so happy which was a weird feeling because <laughs> it's a win-win. This is a total it's, win-win. It's literally a win-win. And, um, and I still feel weird, weird about her, but like, cause, cause she literally almost started to cry. She was so happy. Um, and I said, you know, straight up, I'll just I'll pay your rent five years. I'll get my money back and you'll get a house free and clear. That's the deal. What do you think? She says, yeah, absolutely. Let's we'll, we'll do that. Right. So that's what we did. And I have not heard, from her at all other than to get my rent paid by my pm and it's been amazing <laughs> <laughs> so so it's a uh, rent to own um so i know you said she's in charge of the utilities did you put her in charge of like property taxes like everything the whole everything everything so utilities property taxes um you know all maintenance is is her responsibility she basically pays me 350 a month and i still got insurance on it obviously Yep. It's still technically my property, so I don't think I could skip that. Yep. Yeah. Um, but after the five years, I'm just going to hand her the deed and say, best, best, keep, best of luck to you. Insurance is probably pretty cheap. It doesn't sound like it's a really big house. It's, it's, um, it's honestly probably the most expensive thing I've encountered <laughs> there. The, the remarkable thing about Indiana is how cheap relative to Canada everything is. Property taxes, 300 bucks a year. Um, your, your utilities, the util, utility bills I've gotten, admittedly no one's living in the, the two houses that I've been reno, renovating, but they're like 20 bucks. Per, Is that not mind blowing? It's uh, like in Canada. Cause we have all those debt repayment charges. If you don't even, yeah. you turn the breaker off, you still got a bill for like, I don't even what know what it works out to. You can still get a, a good bill. <laughs> yeah. It's, you get the basic delivery fee or, or the connection fee every month, you know, yeah. it, it's, it's 20 bucks. And I'm like, 
that's amazing. Like everything's amazing, right? <laughs> so back to the other houses, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, cause that was actually a relatively quick fix despite the, the length of that sort of um, story. No, it's still so, so the other house, um, I sent my, uh, my property manager with the release as soon as I, you know, closed and I sent her over and had it recorded at the courthouse and the tax, you know, the, the thing was released and it was all good. So I had these houses for eight grand in, in a purchase price, not including my legal fees, which weren't much more. No. Um, and I got, uh, I got a contractor to work and, uh, <laughs> honestly, it's gone relatively smoothly. Um, a couple surprises there. Like there was, a the floor was rotted in one, ha one house and that cost an extra 1200 bucks to totally rip out and replace, um, yeah. like right down to the, the subfloor. Um, you know, I think overall I was super low on my exterior costs. Um, I ended up having to put in some concrete for a porch and, uh, I mean, just the, tearing down the old garage that was so dilapidated it couldn't be fixed cost 2,500 bucks. So just to demolish that, um, removing all the garbage out of, out of the houses was 1,200 a, a piece because there was a lot of garbage and, uh, and it, it added up quick. But uh, what I did um, to start was I really nailed them down and I got them down to about 40,000 before I signed the contract, just whittling anything unnecessary, anything special off the list. Uh, I took it, I took it all off and, uh, I did end up replacing the furnaces. I had five grand penciled in, uh, ended up costing three for two furnaces, which is a, a bargain. Oh, I know furnaces. That's the other thing in the States are so cheap compared to Canada. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I had a furnace replaced here and it was three grand for one. So that was, it was a good bargain and they're high efficiency too. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> That, that was a bargain. And honestly, I mean, it's gone better than I expected. I mean, there were extra surprises. So my final price on repairs will be about 45 to 50 once it's all said and done. Yeah. Um, my contractor didn't do everything to spec, which I'm okay with, but it gives me that leverage where I can go back and demand a, a discount. So I'm just trying to decide how mean I want to be about it. <laughs> cause being, um, in that sort of world myself, cause, uh, I am, uh, I'm not a contractor on my own, but I work for a contractor here in Canada. So I know how bad the screws are turned to us anytime we make any kind of mistake or even just don't have the backup paperwork to prove that somebody said something to us. Right. Um, you get the screws turned to you really bad uh, in the contracting world. So I'm trying to decide how mean I want to be on these. Um, but all in all, the, the final cost sh on the on the two uh, should be about 55 ish. So yeah, less, less than less than the 60 I figured. But um, but overall, I, I mean, I, I can't really complain. And so I'm guessing you're near the end of renovation. Is that, that the stage you're at right now? That's right. One went up for rent uh, last month. Uh, it's not rented yet. I think I priced it a little bit too high. Um, that's one one thing you're trying to you're trying to figure out uh, is hitting that sweet spot in the market because I'm trying to figure out what's it worth to have a a brand new house essentially versus a moderately nice house, and it just doesn't carry the premium I I kind of hoped. Not that it's make or break. It's like fifty bucks, yeah. but fifty bucks to people there is bigger than 50 bucks, you know, 50 bucks is 10%, right? To them. 
yeah no yeah it, it, yeah it's a it's a good chunk right so um timeline when do you buy these things i bought them very end of september so i close i started i started the pro deal process in early august i closed on them september 28th i think yeah started renovations in october and they're just finishing up now um they dragged uh they definitely could have gone faster but the contractor um did not move nearly as quickly as i expected to him to and I really thought I had done it right, which was, um, I mean, I don't think how, how you could do it any writer, which was, I didn't pay him anything up front. He actually was willing to start work without a payment. Um, he did the, the demo uh, or the clean out and the demo of the uh, garage uh, the first day. And then I sent him a transfer for those items in full. Yep. So that was sort of our trust building yep. exercise because some of the other contractors I, I talked to wanted, you know, 30% down and I said, what incentive do you have to show up after I send you 30%? <laughs> I yeah. said, I said to the one guy, I said, you know, you want all these deposits. I said, if I give the, you all the money up front, why, why would you show up other than your good name? And I don't know exact, I don't know how good your name is to you. Right. The only yeah. reason for you to show up on time is to get paid. So if I pay up front, I don't know. Can't, yeah. Can't. No, there's a lot of them that ask 30%, uh, 50% have been asked for and half up front. Um, yeah. but the only time I did do the 50% up front is because law, well, they were my property manager. So I was, you know, kind of, I was okay with, I've been working with them for over, I think a year and a half at that time. And they'd done a bunch of other properties and yeah. they wanted to do a light rental for me, but yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, that was some great tips because if you are, are paying, you don't want to pay them too much up front because they will disappear. They could disappear. Yeah. They could, it's all the person. I mean, in, in Canada, I, I, for the business that I, I work for, um, and I'm the, the sales guy, I guess you could say, it's extremely, extremely rare to get paid upfront for anything, no deposits. You get paid, um, the general rule is you get paid when it's installed on site and not before. So a major project, you, <laughs> you might be not getting paid for six months, right? You might do your drawings and, and uh, you might get paid for a couple, couple grand for your drawings. Um, but by the time you finish, you're, you're really hanging out there uh, waiting to get paid and hoping you're going to get paid. Right. So to me, I, it's, it's, it doesn't seem like a big ask to say, Hey, I'm not paying you until you finish it, but I'll pay you weekly. I'll pay you bi-weekly, weekly, whatever you want, just finish the work first and then I'll pay you right away. Right. I think that that's, a fair way to go or, or you know you pay for the materials up front um yeah. you buy the materials on their behalf uh and then they're your materials right yeah but no, uh, i'm usually comfortable with this a small you know you know the three thousand five thousand maybe if you're doing something huge right like something big yeah. off the start uh usually three thousand is a good number yeah 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 i mean ten percent i would say ten percent would be like the maximum i would be comfortable giving to any contractor. I mean, I'm not really comfortable giving anything to anybody because I don't trust anybody <laughs> till, the, till the work's done. Um, yeah. But uh, but I mean, 10, anything more than 10% doesn't make sense, especially if you're paying them weekly. Anybody should be able to fund a project for a week. Like you throw that on a credit card, your, your Home Depot account, you don't even pay any interest. So why wouldn't you support that if you're a legit contractor, right? Especially if it's a big contract. 
Yeah, well, either, even like a credit card, you're not going to pay it for 30 days, right? Next month yeah. or whatever. So yeah, as long as you get the, it installed, then you get paid for it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, um, in terms of tips, that would be probably the biggest tip. Um, you know, do your high level estimate. You can use, um, you know, I, I like to use just like a basic dollar per square foot. Um, I do like a 30 for light. 40 a square foot for medium and $50 a square foot for like bad, really bad. Um, and that's kind of what I'd base this off of. I think I had uh, 1700 square feet and then whatever that I threw at at that, <laughs> whatever that works out to is kind of what I threw it at uh, just as a very high level. And then you can break it down to the smaller, um, smaller elements as you go. And then get your your actual estimates once you get it under contract because once you have it under contract you know the the contractor has some assurance that it's gonna go forward right it's not just you kicking the tires did you have to uh pay for your contractors to quote those out nope didn't pay anything yeah some do some don't and i think that part of it is how far they had to travel <laughs> sometimes yeah. yeah i mean some of the guys are based out of indianapolis so it was an hour hour drive for them if they weren't if they weren't in the area other guys were local um but you know i said look i've, I've got i've got these houses i'm gonna renovate them so you can quote it and let me know and then if your price is low i'm gonna go with you uh and if it's not sorry i mean that's what i deal <laughs> that's what i deal with every day I don't, I don't get every job i quote it's just part of the business so what other hurdles did you face? I, I know there's, we just listed a pile of them, which I might have, we might've covered a lot of them. Any other stuff that was a pain? Um, on, the, on the back end, now that, now that we've rolled into the new year, I've discovered there's actually still a few, a few liens left on the project. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> um, some, no, I mean, the, the city is charging me um, $300 for grass cutting. Uh, one I was able to, another one I was able to get removed. They were nice enough because I said, look, I didn't buy this till... October, basically, like how much grass cutting did you do in October? Yeah. Uh, so they took one off and then the other one, I guess they showed to cut the grass like two days after I closed. So they're like, well, we can't remove that one. So, so that one's on me. That one's on me. But uh, I mean, yeah. it, 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 as far as, like I said, as a whole, I, I really can't complain. It, it went really smooth. The city's been great. The, the, the contractor has been reasonable yep. <laughs> let's say reasonable the work's been fine and the the just the timeline has taken a long time right and uh the only thing i would change there is doing a, a penalty clause so and a bonus clause so well, if I they like say it's going to be yeah. two months i would say if you get it done sooner than the two months which they won't because they're exaggerating the second they tell you it's going to be whatever timeline they give you they're exaggerating they're never going to hit that they're never going to hit it. So uh, that's a great tip. <laughs> so, so, so just I, like, I assumed it was going to be three months when he told me two months. I'm like, Oh, it's going to take him three months then. Um, yeah. So, uh, that's, but so throw on, don't, don't be afraid to throw on a, a bonus clause where you say, look for every, um, week that you're early, I'll give you an extra 500 bucks. And for every week that you're late, I'm going to take off 500 bucks, right? Especially if it's a big contract because they're not going to hit. I mean, they're not going to do it in one week. They're just, they're not. If it's a big, if they, if they say two months, it's going to be a minimum two months. Like they're not going to do it any faster. And uh, they've got other work that they've got to do too. So they're going to prioritize yours, but they're not going to take you to the cleaners by getting it done in a couple of days. 
<laughs> yeah. So future plans, uh, are you going to go more into uh, Muncie or are you going into Indy or is it going to be where you find the deal or what's, what's your sort of future, the way you're looking at it? I'm going to stick to Indiana. Um, right now, I really want to um, get a lot more, I want to get a lot more units um, that, that cash flow as well as these, because I mean, I don't need, even need that many more, but a few more and I can quit my day job which would be nice. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, it, so, so that's kind of the goal. I'm sticking kind of to Muncie. Uh, there's also Anderson and I like Indianapolis too, but the nice thing about um, Anderson and Muncie is that I've already got the team set up. I've got my contacts and it should theoretically be easier than doing everything from scratch again in another town. Right. Oh, yeah. By, you know, it's just, it, 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 it's, it's, I think it's, I, I want to stick with this area probably until I get to at least 12 doors and then maybe start looking a little bit farther, whether it's farther away in Indiana where I still need a new team, but at least I know the state or really far away, like Florida or Texas. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think kind of like 12 units is, is the minimum on any market before I would want to start looking elsewhere. Yep. I interviewed like Marco Santarelli way back in my early days and we had an after chat. So it's not actually on the podcast, but that was one of the big things I told him all about my portfolio. And he's like, at the time I was scattering all over the place. He's like, go deep into a market before you go wide. He's like, make yourself something that's more important. Property manager, you're holding like 10 or 20 properties with them. You're much more valuable than the one guy with the one property. And yeah. You have one properties all over the place. Like make yourself a priority. Yeah. <laughs> And I mean, the only other thing I would add to, to anybody who's listening to this and thinking about going with um, cheap properties is I've, I've sort of taken some time to sort of reflect on it. And, you know, cheap properties in Muncie or Diamond Dozen, you can pick up houses all day long for 15 to 30 grand. Um, but depending, I mean, depending on where in the city you are, because there's kind of like two halves to the city. Um, you're never going to get more than uh, like 150 grand on the good side. And you're never going to get more than say uh, 60,000 for a single house uh, on the side I'm at. Yep. So between the two houses, uh, which is, I mean, there are two houses on a single lot. So I don't know what you'd call it an Indiana duplex, I guess. It's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. um, so it's two houses on a single lot. And I think the city or the town considers it a, a duplex. So, as far as a duplex goes, I think the most I might be looking at ARV wise is a hundred grand. So it, it runs into those issues of trying to find financing at that rate, um, whether you're an American or not, really. Uh, they're so cheap that they're, they're hard to, to refi. So the next challenge I have is just simply to find some um, financing solutions to get my, my cash back out uh, so I can move on to the next one. And yeah, first, for even finding, I'm just popping in my head, like for financing purposes or even selling purposes, I know that you're not really good. It might just be easier to sell it if you severed them, right? Is it yeah. a, a lot that could be severed? Like it has. I don't see why it couldn't be severed. Um, and I, when I originally bought them, one of the thoughts I had was I could um, do, do all three as rent to owns, um, yeah. which was I could split the lot and do these 
two as individual rent to owns, and then I don't have to worry about maintenance, which would increase my profit. But the profit was so good on paper. I was kind of like, well, I don't really want to let them go. Right. Like it's, it's like, yeah, I, I've got these, but how many more grand slams are you going to get? Right. Like even a hundred percent cash in, I'm still going to make 21% in like 21% margin cash on cash yep. with, uh, with them a hundred percent in cash. And then if I refi them, I can't remember, but I was like, it jumps a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was like, I, I remember I did it in the spreadsheet and when I factored in the, the uh, putting it on a mortgage and then paying that mortgage down. So like my equity getting added back in every month, yeah. plus the rent versus what I had left into it. It was like 666%. Like it was, it was crazy. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so I'm like, all right, I really need to re figure out how to refinance this. Right. That's, that's why it's, that's the next step. Um, and it seems like now that sort of COVID is winding down, I guess you could say, um, there, there's definitely some new opportunities opening up for foreign nationals to refinance. Um, and, uh, it, it's looking, it's looking promising. That, that, that's what I'd say. And, um, like I said, going back on reflection, the issue with the cheap houses, other than the financing aspect is it might be 20 years before these houses go up um, in value to double in value to say to go from like 50 grand a house to 100 grand a house in this area, right? It might be 20, 30 years. Whereas if I go into Indianapolis, the rent's not as good, but the appreciation is, uh, everything's appreciating much faster because it's uh, a growing city. Whereas Muncie is just kind of steady, yep. just kind of steady. So the houses that are there, nobody really needs to build a new house. Um, they can just live in what, what, what stock is there. Right. So it, it doesn't create that, that shortage that drives up demand. Um, and, and it is basically the runaway housing prices that we have here, um, or even anything, any kind of growth really. So the yeah. issue long-term is like, if you're going to maintain it, if you're not doing the rent to own as aspect, any money you put into it, it's, it will literally depreciate. You will never make money on those repairs. Um, whereas here where we live, you know, you don't really need to do anything and it goes up a hundred grand in a year, right? Like it can, the <laughs> roof can come off. It can, a roof, can, a wall can fall down. Ugh, how about a hundred extra over what you paid last year? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Depending on the size of the lot, it could still be worth the same even without the house on it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, like, nuts. It's, it's nuts here. And, but so, I mean, it's finding that balance, right? So if, for, for me, I'm really after the cash flow aspect. So that's kind of why I'm looking at those cheaper houses. Yeah. Because I have the equity with the properties I have in Canada. Now I'm going to focus on the cash flow to give it, to create a balance, right? If you don't have any properties, I would say maybe start in a, in a market that's slowly appreciating, but appreciating, right? Rather than something that's just kind of flat. Yeah. Yep. Cause you're, cause you can make way more on appreciation than you can on cash flow if it's appreciating fast, but yeah. it's, but it's also kind of like buying yeah. a lottery ticket. Yeah. The, the, the appreciation will kind of iron out some of the mistakes and the learning sometimes too. So mm. like some of my early days, I bought some turnkeys, which I definitely regret, but the market has fixed those kinks because everything's right. went up, but uh, it, it's, uh, I wouldn't recommend that to people, but it is, right. it was a way to 
at the time I didn't have my own podcast to listen to. <laughs> so I didn't, I had to figure this out from scratch. So it was, uh, no, it was. It well, was that, I mean, that, that's the lovely thing about an appreciating market is because the market can protect you as kind of like, maybe it's more expensive to get into at first and maybe the, the cash flow isn't as great, but it's kind of like paying for insurance because you can make a lot of mistakes in an appreciating market and still make money just because it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like all that matters is that there's not enough houses to go around. Right. So yep. it's, it's one of those cash 22s. It's, it's one of those individual up to every investor, what they want to do. Yep. Ryan, I love this chat. And this one, I'll actually probably listen to myself a second time. Some of my favorite ones are the ones with the stories, like this, this the good, the good stories with so much stuff going on. I love those. So yeah. anyway, I just wanted to say that, but if people wanted to track you down, what's the best way to do so? Um, probably through my website. You can contact me through my website. It's uh, Olive Bridge CPI. So all of like the thing everyone hates on their pizza or likes on their pizza. I don't really know. <laughs> um, bridge like the thing you cross over and CPI as in capital property investments dot CA. Uh, or you can, you know, um, find me on Facebook. Just my name, looking for my answer yep. face. He's in lots of groups. You find him around. Too. <laughs> you'll find me around. Uh, you, you'll, you usually see me comment on construction posts or, or things like that, where people have, you know, what type of flooring should I do or how do I fix this? Um, Cause that's kind of my background. So I like, I like giving people advice and hopefully it's good. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show, Ryan. I totally. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Well, hopefully we'll do another one soon. Sounds great. Hey, cool. bye.